you know, and I feel like for, I just feel like for my aunts, my mom and seeing the women of like our parents' generation, I'm like, they kind of just disappear and they become just like mom. And as, as though mom is, I don't know, like she can't be fabulous or sexy or ambitious, you know, like... Stories have the power to teach, inspire people, and connect communities. We want to dive into the lives of everyday Malaysians around the world and be the platform to share their stories, no matter how mundane or exciting, controversial or intriguing. Do you have one to tell? We're your hosts, Sean, Hen, and Yvonne, and this is the Malaysians Abroad Podcast. Hello everyone, it's Yvonne here. This episode is all about motherhood while being abroad. Crystal Lau is a mom who left her career as a doctor and is now raising her half-Malaysian, half-American children in a U.S. Army base in Germany. Being women ourselves and being in a society where women are boxed into certain roles, we found this episode to be really insightful for us. We asked her questions like, what's it like being a Malaysian mother abroad? Or how does one's identity change after becoming a mom? She tells us about the business that she is building, which helps new moms to cope with the transition to motherhood. It really does take a village to raise a child. We hope you enjoy this episode, even if you don't identify as a woman, or even if you're not a mom. Thanks for listening! So, thank you for coming on the show, Crystal. Please tell our listeners where you are from and where you are currently based. Thank you, guys. Um, I am actually from Petaling Jaya. Mm. Um, I'm currently in Germany, near Frankfurt area. Mm. So I did, you know, school and everything. I went to private school, like uh, Sri KL. Went to Taylor's College in Subang. And then went to IMU Medical. And then finished up in Australia because they did a twinning program. So I... I see. Yeah. So I thought that was it. I thought that was the end of the journey. Like, okay, la, you know, Australia, a lot of Malaysians also like to go there, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I met my husband there. And so happened he is in the US military. And then, okay. so, oh, wow. yeah, so after we got married and then he's like, okay, we got to move. And yeah, I found out the lifestyle for them is every two to three years, they move to a different state or a different duty station and sometimes they mm. can post them overseas as well where there's a US uh, military base. So Germany has a few mm-hmm. and like Japan, South Korea. Then so I went to US for a bit and then when the time was up and he's like, okay, we're going to Germany next. It's like, okay, here we go. So then you've been in Germany since then? Yeah, I've been here since 2020 right as the COVID lockdown happened in Germany. So we haven't been able to do much, unfortunately. Oh, I see. Mm. Oh, that's sad. To move to a new country thinking that, oh, we're going to have a fresh start here and then boom, COVID. Yeah, it was a bit... Because a lot of people um, like the idea of coming to Germany because, um, you know, you get to try and travel around Europe. It's like the army pays for your whole family mm-hmm. to move. So like tickets, your your entire household stuff everything uh we kind of decided to expand our family as well it's all part of our family planning Mm -hmm. when things started slowly opening up here i was like seven months pregnant and i'm like no (laughs) 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. It must be tough. Wow. Uh, but I guess overall, um, like family life here looks pretty good. Mm-hmm. Like for example, um, now is a strawberry and cherry picking season, which is awesome. Fun. Because the only... Oh, already? Yeah, the only strawberry I did last time was Cameron Highlands. But we know Cameron Highlands... <laughs> It's a bit different, lah. You know, you don't really get the strawberries as you know, red and juicy mm. and sweet. Yeah, so we did that here, and they're really so relaxed. The kids can just eat as much as they want as you're picking, and they don't mind. You just really? yeah, you just pick according to you know, you you bring your own basket or something, and then they will weigh it, and then you go out and you pick all your strawberries. Uh, and then they just weigh what whatever you've picked and then you pay for it. And the kids can mm-hmm. just, like, my, because my kid's like two and a half years old. So she was just having, like, her lunch there, just eating strawberries. <laughs> yeah. Which is really, oh. yeah, which is fun. And then at the end, they just, like, laugh at her because she's all red and messy and... Yeah, no problem. <laughs> oh, that's so cute. Yeah. But you know what? If I were you... I would probably be asking the same question, like, how are other people doing it? I probably couldn't. That's the thing. I didn't think I could do all this. I have a few friends who are like, oh, how are you dealing with it here? Because I, th- I would say in Germany and France, uh, a lot of the people, they they prefer if you try to speak the local language. Not like Malaysia. Everyone's happy to like speak some English when you got foreigners there. But over here, they yeah. will kind of like say, oh, I cannot speak English in pretty good English and they kind of watch you struggle through your German or French and then when they see you struggle enough they'll just talk to you in English <laughs> Aww. like so speaking of your kids and speaking about moving around with them and well we would love to hear about your journey of motherhood so has there always been a desire to become a mother and did your childhood experiences have anything to do with that? Oh, no. I didn't think I would be a good mom material at all. No. <laughs> mm, I, I was more 50-50. I think it was more like, okay, if I met the right person and I could see myself, you know, raising kids with them, then sure. But if I didn't, then it wouldn't bug me. Like I, mm-hmm. Although there's definitely the pressure from family because like, I married my husband when I was 27. And I guess that's kind of late for our generation, I suppose, because I have friends who already had married at 23, you know, and then they already had kids at 25. Mm. And then my mom was like, oh, so like, you know, when when am I going to have grandkids? Oh, so yeah. And even my grandma was like, oh, did you meet anyone? The pressure did get to me a little bit, but at the same time, I was like, no, I won't just like try to meet someone just to meet these I don't know parental and biological deadlines yeah expectations yeah yeah yeah. yeah. so so yeah and I grew up my with just one younger brother and he has down syndrome so we're seven years apart so that means that most Mm -hmm. of the time there's still our sibling rivalry as you would expect especially when I was a teenager but as I grew older I kind of took on like a second mom role because my mom has worked full time, mm. my dad was also busy. Oh. Yeah, when I could drive that time, so I would like pick him up from school, take him to his uh, activities, sometimes talk to his teachers. Oh. Yeah, and then when we go home, uh, when I was doing uh, a research project, part of the whole medical thing to go to Australia, 
you know, I would be like, yeah. it's homework time. Come sit with me and we'll do homework. And then, like, you know, his homework is more just to get him to do something else rather than watch TV and play games. Mm-hmm. So there was a bit of that. And then I remember one time, <laughs> some of my friends were like, oh, we're going to go go out and hang out after some learning session in, in uni. And then I was like, oh, I can't. I got to go and, like, pick my brother and cook dinner and stuff and then one of my friends was like oh my god you're so domesticated and I was like what how did that make you feel I was thinking like oh my gosh what is this like I'm not ready to be a parent like I want to go out and have fun you know yeah but at the same time it was like I didn't feel too bad about it it was like just a moment of FOMO you know as you would because I was yeah, yeah thinking like oh wow it's uni life I have a car you know that that little newfound freedom that you get as a young adult not gonna lie lah some moments at that time I was thinking like oh like this is what it's gonna be like to always have to sacrifice part of your you know whatever social life or your wants and needs for someone else yeah I guess having that did kind of prepare me for motherhood but at the same time I would say my first year of uh as a brand new mom with my first kid oh that was rough man i guess there's only so much you can read and prepare yourself Learn about yeah until mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. actually are a mom or a parent i would say i would say because for all of us right our parents grew up in a time where they were like oh you know you have to you should be an independent woman you don't need a man you know not like the older generation who's like oh yeah. you should marry mm-hmm. and you know be a good wife and all that stuff so yeah it was a huge my mom was like yeah so I think having that growing up and then you know suddenly my mom was like oh when you're getting married I would love to have someone look after you but then I'm like you told me I can look after myself like (laughs) then you know suddenly you say you I should get married so a man can look after me like what uh so that kind of conflict and then I guess when you're in a very professional job, you're used to calling the shots a little bit. Again, I won't lie. Mm. It feels nice to be able to be a boss at times. Although when I Mm. left my job, I was like kind of like mid-level and then you report to a specialist. So in in that role, when the specialist is not there, then you are kind of calling the shots. Uh And so yeah, coming from that position to just, you know, Mm, and then to become a mom overnight, it was like suddenly I have this this thing I'm responsible for. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's a thing. Like, oh, I gave birth to this. Yeah, I mean, it was amazing at the same time, scary. And at the same time, like the realization like, oh my God, I'm responsible for her forever. Yeah. It Everything, everything yeah. hit overnight. In the hospital, because I spent like two days and then it, it didn't feel that bad because you know the nurses will come they'll help you and once I got back home that first night I was like oh my god what is this mm. <laughs> it, yeah that's such a I mean now it sounds funny but like this kind of reaction but I think back that time you would have been really really so scared, or scared yeah right? oh yeah like I wouldn't be able to imagine basically your responsibilities have shifted into a entire human being yeah it's and the thing is I feel like although I had support like my husband has been great like he really wants to help I mean of course you know like your partners see you in so much I guess distress I would say because the pain is one thing but Mm -hmm. but that emotional and mental distress 
And then they can't do anything because they, they've like both mm. physically and emotionally can't, they can try and reassure, but I guess, you know, hormones also are like all over the place. It just doesn't help. Like the whole mm. situation doesn't help. Yeah. Just completely staying at home, not having a job, no yeah. income. Yeah. You know, when my income at the time was more than my husband's when I was still working in Australia, that was a huge mm. ego bruise, la, must admit. La. Did you leave your career as a doctor to become a full-time mom or like, is there something in between that? Yeah, actually, I never wanted to be a doctor. Ha ha ha. This is... Oh, interesting. Yeah, this is, this is where I tell like new friends as like stereotypes do exist. You know, the whole Asian parent, be only what your lawyer, accountant, doctor, engineer, mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah, because mm-hmm. um, yeah, at first I was like, I really didn't want to be a doctor, honestly. Like, I, I, some aspects of the work I enjoy, but overall, I just cannot see myself going in and out of the emergency room, bringing patients in all the time. Like, I can see myself mm. in health, but not as a doctor specifically, mm. which... Then as we go on, it leads to what I'm trying to do now. Um, But I would say that, actually very funny, before becoming a mom, I was very resentful of a lot of things that my mom Mm -hmm. has, I guess, chosen for me. But as you would lie, Mm -hmm. you know, we grow up, life happens, and then we go like, oh, that's why my parent did that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So looking back now, I, I see why she, I guess, directed me this way into medicine. And mm. even now, so that's why I have always been looking for a way out, to be honest with you. Yeah. yeah. So going to public health, was that why you decided to go into writing your book about modernizing the Chinese uh, postpartum confinement practice? What happened, because I got pregnant halfway through my master's. I did So I did the master's degree as an online course in the US. So yeah, when I did my public health stuff, I really like a lot of the assignments and things and... So many mm-hmm. books that people write on topics that they're passionate or that they want to talk about. And like, it doesn't matter how many people read them. It was like, I guess the process of writing a book, you know. Mm-hmm. And then when I did my confinement, I mean, you know, we kind of know certain traditions we have. And then I was thinking like, oh, yeah. no, I actually don't know so many things. Like, oh, but... And I was, my mom was like, oh, don't wash your hair for 30 days. I was like, oh, my God, I cannot. Like, just no... <laughs> You know, or the, the really pantang one, they like, you know, shower. shower for 30 days. <laughs> yeah, and I'm just like, no, I'm thinking, but why? We have clean water and and yeah. my mom was like, no, after you get cold or wind, right? Or this, the, this is where the yeah. traditional Chinese medicine like yeah. philosophies all come in. I heard back in the days, it's because their bathroom is outside their house, so they would have to walk to the bathroom. So that's why girls aren't allowed to shower after after giving birth. Yeah, and because, you know, back then, you can imagine for like, I mean, how, ex- I guess that's why the royalties probably have more baths than the commoners, right? Like for you to actually have a decent bath with clean water, it's not easy to mm. access for like peasants, you know? Or, mm. or even if you're royalty, like how much work would it take for you to bathe every day wash your hair, yeah. you know. So mm-hmm. for me, I mean, th- there really isn't, I guess, a true record of it because, you know, it's not like the imperial records talk about sanitation that way. But if you think about yeah. it, yeah, logically, right, for you to really, like, have clean water for, 
drinking and everything, you need to boil it. And then for people back then to boil water, like how much effort is it? So, you know, just to prevent mm, to prevent yeah. like dirty water from making the mom sick, you just say, Oh yeah, don't don't bath. You know? <laughs> because then you yeah. minimize the risk of, you know, cholera or whatever in the water back then to make mom yeah. sick. So in my book, I do talk about like just applying, just just thinking what we know now, what we have, like sanitation and everything, right? That that's a big mm-hmm. big shift, mine in like public health history is mm. as soon as we discover that clean water and like cleanliness and everything was so important to your health, like our life mm-hmm. our lifespan just like shot up exponentially. Yeah. So mm. is that what your book touches on, like how to change those traditional confinement practices and how to like make it adaptable for us. Today. Exactly, yeah. Because for me, I do, I guess, offer like, okay, if you want to do it full traditional, you can do it this way. And if you want to do mm. it mix, like I did mix because I also feel, mm. I mean, we grew up with these things and sometimes you feel like yeah. you want to follow because that's what your mom did, your grandma did. It feels nice to follow a certain culture and tradition. And yep. I felt this really, mm-hmm. really strongly, especially once I left home. You know, like you sometimes take things for granted until you have left home. And yeah, yeah, so that was what I felt really, really strongly. And then I also have an option for those who want to do like, I would say full modern um, in terms of, okay, I just, I'm just going to start showering, washing my hair and mm-hmm. whatever. But maybe they're interested in uh, certain aspects, though, like maybe the food and all that, then they can follow. So, mm. yeah, and it's really about preserving the tradition. And and mm-hmm. then when I thought about it, I was thinking, you know, actually like confinement, even among our dialects, like Hakka people, Hokkien, Cantonese, Teochew and whatever, everyone's got their mm. little differences to the yeah. confinement mm. practice. And then every yeah. family have their own tradition. So that's why I felt like this is like, I guess modernizing it is a good way to adapt it to like 2020 moving forward and saying we can still follow some traditions and retain this cultural practice without, with it not, not being so outdated because some things that are so outdated, you just absolutely cannot follow. It doesn't fit with your lifestyle. And so many of us, a lot of stay at home moms have a side hustle, you know, they they still Mm -hmm. have something for themselves and, you can't just stay at home and just just mom. yeah, just mom. Like yeah. there's so much more to you as a mom. So yeah, so let's talk about that, right? Yeah. So you are something really exciting. You're also starting a small business yourself called Mama's Wing Woman on the military base that your family is stationed at, and you provide postpartum services to new moms there, right? Yeah. So I'm in the process of um, getting approval from the garrison here. So because. In Germany here, we have so many families coming over and there are some women mm-hmm. who come here already pregnant and some moms come here in their third trimester. So you can imagine some of them who have only ever lived in the US with all their family and friends there, they come to Germany and within like, what, two, three months, you have to give birth in a German hospital mm-hmm. with German staff not speaking the language at all. And then yeah. you come home. Most of us live in apartment buildings. Like we live on the third floor. So it was mm. well, yeah. so you know, so that's what they have to deal with here. And then no family and friends. 
Mm. And then COVID, oh. COVID is another oh, thing. Can't and, even imagine. Um, like my husband, luckily the hospital we ended up ended up in allowed him to be in the room with me for the whole labor period. But at one point, oh. they only allowed partner or one support person to be in the room when you're actively pushing, which mm. which means. Maybe the like ten plus hours of you going through just the labor, you have to do it alone. Like that's quite that's quite know. scary for someone who doesn't know anything here. And then after the baby's here, my husband was only allowed to stay for two hours, and then he had to go home. Mm-hmm. And then the next day, he could only visit for a maximum of two hours. Oh wow, that must be so tough on you. Yeah, it was for me. Lucky it was okay because. Uh, this is where my medical background came very, very handy. Mm. So let's go back to why you decided to start that business in the first place. Mm. So we see that you recognize the gap between not having enough resources for moms abroad, but what was it that actually motivated you to start this whole thing? Because I feel like a lot of our women's health down the road is so affected by how your health is once you give birth. At one point, honestly, I was thinking like, oh my God, why am I female? It's such a hassle in this world. And I felt really Mm. bad for my girls. I was like, oh gosh, you're born a girl. But then Mm. at the same time, I thought right now, I said, like for us, our health is so important. And so it's so intertwined with your hormones. And when you go through pregnancy and give birth, you also, like, you know how they say, you not only birth a child, you birth a mom, literally Mm -hmm. overnight. And yeah, and... I would say that if we don't look after our health in that transition period or the, the matricence, M-A-T-R-E-S-C-E-N-E, it's like adolescence, but for moms. It is that process mm-hmm. of you transforming into a mom or however long your journey takes. If we don't look after both our physical health, mental health, emotional health, when you become... Mm in your middle age or when your kids leave or when we grow old, all that health effects stacks up. And Mm, yeah, and this, to me, this ties into my interest in elderly health because a lot of the patients I saw, you know, it's a known fact that women outlive men. (laughs) Um, And the older generation, the women were not as, I guess, allowed education, work. So their financial security is so bad they barely have a pension because they just Mm. stay at home moms or stay at home parent Mm -hmm. and then when the husband pass away and you're like 80 what do you do you're alone with no money and elderly is elderly and then a lot of these women have like urinary problems pelvic floor issues because it's not addressed after you give birth when you were younger and that effect Mm. carries on and then what do you do you get elderly poverty and I mean, it sounds really sad right now, the way I'm painting it. <laughs> but No, but it's true. It's a true fact that as we grow older, our body will just tend to shut down a little bit. Yeah, and right mm. now, I'm turning 34. And because of the pregnancy and the birth for my two girls, I already have urinary leakage. like, And all my uh, mm-hmm. mom friends, we're all like mid-30s, you think uh, mid-30s, I'm already having problems like with my uh, bladder. Can you imagine when mm. I'm 60? 
when your body actually becomes mm. weaker just by natural aging. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Then what? Forever, I'm gonna have to wear like pads and adult diapers. Like, that's not really mm. sexy mm-hmm. for a. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. I have so many more years yeah. of wanting to feel fabulous and myself. Like here, when I observe the families, like the moms are still like themselves. You know, especially in France, I'm like, wow. Mm-hmm. I was like, these moms are fabulous. Not just that they look fabulous, but you could see there was an essence of themselves, despite like dragging mm-hmm. dragging three kids or pushing mm-hmm. a stroller and everything, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And yeah. And, but in Malaysia, Macham, the mom is every, like, I don't know, just there to provide for the kids and the family. And that's that's it. A bit more invisible, I would mm. say. Moms, I, I to me, I, I feel that moms look a bit more invisible mm. back home. But you know, and I feel mm. like for, yeah. I just feel like for my aunts, my mom, and seeing the women of like our parents' generation, I'm like yeah. they kind of just disappear, and they become mm. just like mom. And as as though mom is, I don't know, like she can't be fabulous or sexy or ambitious. You know, like. Uh, I, let's just say I feel really bad for my mom, <laughs> especially after becoming one myself and seeing how much you have to sacrifice for your kids and care for them and their family and yeah. and wow. you have to dealing with your bodily changes. Yeah, and you and you put like aside that. your ambition. Your that's why I said my first year was really rough because I really had to struggle with, like, am I losing myself or am I big? Mm-hmm. Like, what am I and who am I? And yep, mm-hmm. and. I think a lot of uh, women don't really talk about that. My mom never spoke about this. She's just like, oh, no, now now that you're a mom, you have to like, everything is for your kids. But I'm like, oi, <laughs> what about myself? And then mm-hmm. a, a thought yeah. comes into my mind. I'm like, oh, am I being selfish? But then again, I'm like, why not? I should be a bit selfish once in a while. Like, I can't mm-hmm. just keep giving and not, I mean, we should give and receive, all right, and some self-care. Yeah, and before you were a mum, you were a person first. You were you. So I feel like that's completely valid. And so if I may summarise what we talked about, it sounds like your business is geared towards empowering moms to take charge of their bodies, to help them feel sexy again, to help them feel themselves again and also to give them the tools to be able to set them up for a better future. Is that right? Absolutely, yeah. So that's yeah, why my the business that I'm starting here, I do want to, hopefully when we leave, I can turn that into something more global, I would say, because right now I can only mm-hmm. offer this on base. And because mm. of, uh, just because we're, we're here on a special visa, um, but it's a good starting point. And at mm. least giving them that so I would say the fourth trimester that three months after you give birth where you just need to recover you need to let the hormones kind of settle themselves and really settle into that expanding family whether you are plus one or this is your third kid like it's constantly changing you're constantly a new mom because you might be Mm -hmm. good at like I thought I had a handle with my one kid and then now number two comes (laughs) and I'm like oh my god I thought I had, a, you know, a routine, something that works for me. But yeah. then when the new baby came, it was just out of whack again. And I felt like, gosh, all that work to like, <laughs> you know, 
yeah. hang on there as a mom of one. Now I have to yeah. I have to rethink everything I'm doing to be a mom mm-hmm. of two. You know, and yeah. so yeah. and that sounds crazy now because I know my ama had like eleven children. Oh my god, I I don't. Yeah, but then again, back then a lot of people lived multi generational household, and then you have your. I was just gonna say that. Yeah, you have your friends or your neighbor who's been there like for twenty years, mm. or your uncles and aunties and cousins. Kampong. Yeah, that really helps. That really helps. Honestly, that oh, that yeah. and over here, I would say one thing I appreciate about the military community is because everyone understands how much of a struggle it is. We will step up, like without hesitation, to look after someone's wow. kid. Yeah. So my neighbor downstairs, she could tell I was struggling, you know. So she happily just comes sometimes take my toddler. <laughs> So I can have a break. This was when my husband was away. Yeah. And so I could mm-hmm. at least try to nap when the baby goes down for a nap if I'm not yeah. cleaning mm-hmm. the house. And I've got two dogs as mm-hmm. well. So that's another story. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. And then with the yeah. other ladies in my husband's like work unit. Um, yeah. We, I mean, one thing is stranger danger, but sometimes you, you have no choice. You kind of have to throw out and trust that person faster than you would in a normal situation just because of where we are and how things are going. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah. but I appreciate it. So for my stuff here, they they have some programs for new parents on base, but it's like a one-off workshop thing. They don't have someone mm-hmm. to come over for say like the one month long term. Yeah. yeah. And the German site they're very good because the midwives um, come to visit mom at home. And then if they feel like the mom needs more help after, say, the, the midwife's like um, care plan is done, they can refer yeah. them to what they call a maternity nurse. So essentially, it's like a confinement nanny, oh. like a puyet like that. Mm. Something like mm. that. Because this maternity nurse will come and help you with... Uh, breastfeeding or baby care and do a little bit of cleaning in your house, cook food for you, for you to recover. And that is covered under their insurance here. How amazing. Like, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's wonderful. In the US, I guess the closest word to a confinement nanny or puya is a doula, post postpartum doula. Mm, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, so I'm going to offer here I want to go in and then I can help her with like you know baby or like here let me look after this and you just go and take an uninterrupted shower <laughs> or go and take mm, a oh. or go take a two-hour nap or whatever and then my uh, friend can do a bit of cleaning like we'll fold your laundry for you and then oh. you know like it's simple stuff but so important yeah. just to give mom a yeah. break and then because when she can recover well at that fourth trimester you can then be more present with your kid or your expanding family and even for yourself, yeah. you know, you have time mm-hmm. at least even small little breaks to process what's going on. And Yeah, I was going to say, I know a lot of moms that are not just in the military base, but just traveling moms in general. Like for example, yeah. my auntie, mm. her husband is actually working um, in the US embassies. So he like actually has to travel uh-huh. every yeah, three yeah. years. And I know she would have appreciated your service a lot. Like I think she... 100% would have hired you to help her with all of her shopping, all of her cooking and stuff like that as well. Yeah, because this mm. is where I, I like to tell people, I'm like, postpartum is the one part 
of your entire like motherhood journey where you actually have some control over <laughs> because pregnancy honestly anything can happen no matter how healthy you are and then when it comes to birth the baby will do whatever they want to do your body will decide mm. like for my second kid I thought was going to go quick because they say second one is usually faster I gosh I labored for like 20 hours she just didn't want to come out and then they were like, no, it's just not happening. So I had to go get a C-section. And I was like, oh my God, what a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I didn't even consider C-section as an option because I kept thinking, ah, first one went okay. Second one should be faster, you know. Gosh, so, <laughs> you know, things happen out of your control. You just, and so, you know, that out of control feeling sucks big time. Ah, moms go through so much. I hope I didn't scare you guys way, seriously. <laughs> I'm a little bit a little bit scared, little bit. <laughs> but I can tell you this though, it's been so many years, but it's still fresh in my mind. Like I consider it like a little traumatic because I was like, what is going on in this woman's body? And you're awake because you have to be awake for baby. Gosh. Yeah. So when they were like taking, you know, doing the surgery on me, I was like, oh no, I can imagine everything. Like, I know what you're doing to me. I can see it in my head. <laughs> but I would say after all that, I feel pretty good. Like, wow, I did all that. As scary as everything sounds, when you go through it and, you know, you, you, you give birth, you, you do the new mom thing, you go through the ups and downs. And then one day when you sit down, you go like, wow, I actually did all that. Like, that's amazing. Like, I didn't think I could do it. I really didn't think I could do yeah. it. But I guess this is where the women part, nurturing side or whatever it is. Motherly instinct. We, yeah, we, we are really strong. So no matter what guys say, <laughs> women are really, really strong because you have to grow a kid, you birth the kid, and then as much as your partner wants to help, you, you, they really cannot. It's, it's just part and process of the whole thing, you know, and you have to care for this newborn for that first few months and <laughs> make sure they survive. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh... and, but you will do it. So you will do it and you will do it well, no matter what you think. Mm. So many times I've yeah. thought I'm a failure. Oh no, I'm messing my kids up. Like, what am I doing? But end of the day, they're happy, they're alive, and mm. you, you're still here. You know, women are just amazing. And it's amazing what our bodies can do. And we, we need to take more care of ourselves so that we can call me a sexist or whatever. But I think communities and families and nations, moms and women are the one, the backbone. Because we provide and nurture and lift so much that, yeah, honestly, so... So oh. I'm, I'm glad my husband, he's like, yeah, be stay-at-home dad. I'm like, good. You can take over everything I've been doing. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's going to be... But I must say, though, a lot of um, guys, our generation, are much more um, involved in family life. I have, oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, I have yes. a lot of guy friends. Even my husband, they are our confinement mannies. Yeah, <laughs> that's so cute. I think, I think definitely conversations around families and family planning and how to raise children have been opened up to yeah yeah not just yeah. one gender a lot of workplaces are also like giving paternal ptos so it's mm, yeah. even though your wife gave birth you also get paid time off so yeah ptos yeah. paid time off for our listeners the u.s army over the 
last few years um also like my husband now dads can get 21 days um paternal mm. leave which is great yeah so earlier you also talked about matrices and transitioning into that and you're also raising half malaysian half american kids yeah. in germany so how are you doing that and you're like keeping your identity and culture in your family as well that's quite a loaded question <laughs> Yeah, so I okay. I would say that the whole mattress sense is a journey. So I'm taking that just in stride. And um, with raising our kids, uh, I would say having conversations with your partner is really important. We interrupt this podcast because... So we have a very special guest with us today. <laughs> I mean, this is actually... So with even for my podcast, which again is time, I just don't have the time, but hopefully now... I, I will have more time um, to do it. Is I was thinking like even some segments, I don't mind if she's there because if I want to show people that, you know, I'm trying to do my own stuff. So this is where you say about the identity thing. I just need to fit in with them, you know, and yeah. some things that I really want to do, uh, podcast, writing book, everything, I just have to fit it around them. And sometimes it doesn't work at all. And it's really, really frustrating. But I tell myself, this is a mantra I use. I'd be like, let's try again tomorrow. Mm. Let's try again tomorrow. Okay. Mm. And then yeah. it, it helps because I'll be like, okay, you know what? It's not working out today. Tantrums, whatever. Fine. Forget it. Let's just try again tomorrow. And, yeah. and, you and know. it's the realities of being a mom as well, right? Yeah. It's, I mean, so. I would say I want it all. It may not be realistic. <laughs> But this is where our generation girls, we've been brought up to like, oh, there's no limitations to what you can want, right? Like you can have it all if, yeah. you, if you want it to. So I think we just need to support each other for those who want it all. Mm -hmm. yes. I mean, I love that. I agree. yeah, why not, right? So yeah, I love that. So yeah, and I'm hoping to do that with my two girls is, you know, if you want it all, um, find your tribe, find your village, find your little kampong mm -hmm. to help you with certain things and so that you can just, you know, do a few things at a time that you like and still kind of have it all. And I guess to your cultural question, I love it because we, we celebrate all the US stuff and then we celebrate all the Malaysian stuff and my husband gets into it as well. He can make bakwa, you know, for Chinese New Year from scratch. Wow! <laughs> yeah, I think the key here is to get your entire family involved, right? Not just you imparting your culture, but then like, what you said, your husband making bakwa, that's also him accepting your culture and showing your kids that they can also accept your culture. Yeah, I would say a big thing is this, because my husband is Caucasian, right? There is sometimes mm -hmm. a feeling that, oh, like white people culture is all the same, like what we see on TV or, you know, especially American, because like America exports their culture so heavily that we assume what we yeah. see and hear is is it. But it's not, again, because, you know, yep. different families and stuff like that. So so with my husband, I definitely take the effort to just learn, like, oh, so what do your family do? Like, you know, is Thanksgiving a big thing? And I sometimes, I mean, I do ask, like, so what is the historical thing that I don't understand or why is this conflict there or why people are against a holiday or whatever so then he'll he'll explain to me and I'm like oh that's interesting to know I think it's just education and communication and as long as the girls have an open mind 
And which is great now because like our community, we have people from all sorts of background. You have South Americans, like uh, just made a new friend. She's Jamaican, she and her husband. And then I have met very few Malaysians who are also military spouses because it's so rare, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know? Um, So I try to just get them to just meet people and not be like, you know how we grow up, sometimes our parents yeah. will say things like, oh, you don't be naughty or that. Later the Abu Nanai will come and catch you. Yeah, if you look back at it, it's, it's so racist. It's yeah. so terrible. Yes, yeah. it is. So, And I think like what you said, it all stems from lack of education. It's just that the communities that are mixed, you're not exposed to different cultures. So you tend to assume what you hear. You tend to assume what you observe or what some people live through. And you take it as your own experience yeah. because you don't know you don't have your experience with this group of people, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we're yeah. we're kind of just don't say anything, just let her see what she does, type thing, and then mm-hmm. yeah, and then yeah. So yeah, so far it's been good. She's just at the stage of exploring and learning to socialize and make friends. Yeah. Mama's working, Kira. Mama's talking. Okay, <laughs> this is definitely the reality. Um, of of it i think it's a perfect addition to our podcast to to kind of yeah. showcase your i can do whatever i want as a mom <laughs> yeah very slow though but better than nothing at least i still have the sense yeah. of fulfillment that i'm pursuing my own mm-hmm. ambitions my own stuff and most importantly i am i have a clear idea now how i want to leave medicine so i definitely yeah. know for my new website it's going to be like doctor turned doula yeah, Ooh. I think that'll be Ooh. yeah because I and then I like that yeah and one thing before we leave right I want to say that um for all the listeners out there when you guys like and for you guys too um once you guys start having kids I would say request a postpartum pelvic rehab session I know like in Malaysia I've asked a family medicine a GP there she said that it's all private but for you to go through rehab for your pelvic floor muscles, that is what is going mm. to help with getting back the urine control and your sexual health, enjoying sex. That is also important. And I know it's a taboo mm. topic for a lot of us, but women's health includes your sexual health because our mm. our sexual organs are so tied to our health, our menses, our everything. You know, yeah. so I think like for me, I feel better after my second kid because I had more of an idea of how to grow in my mattresses journey, I would say. Mm-hmm. And really just accepting that, yep, yes, I am hormonal. If someone throws that in my face, like, oh, you're so hormonal. I'm like, well, duh, I I am mm-hmm. like literally my health, yeah. my health is tied to my hormone cycle. Yeah, long story short down the road, I hope that doing this, you know, working with mom's postpartum so that you know you can really enjoy your your like old age without worrying about mm, everything yes. dropping out yeah. to put it crudely oh man <laughs> oh yeah, man you know yeah and thank you for sharing the realities of motherhood with us as well thank you yeah. i i try to because yeah. i i've only heard really beautiful stories and i felt at one point really bad i'm like i'm not feeling this blissful motherhood thing and I was like what's wrong with me like Mm. and then I ended up having quite bad postpartum depression so and then I felt bad that I had to be a medication luckily like you know I've met good people and fellow moms who had similar experience and they're like oh it's 
I mean, yeah, it's normal to feel bad. It's normal, but it'll pass. It'll pass. And I thought, okay, this is reassuring that this is just a process, you know. Right, so. right. For new moms, postpartum pelvic rehab. Yes, request for it. So aside from that, what is like one piece of advice you want to give to uh, our listeners who are mothers living away from home? All potential mothers to be too. If you ever feel like things are really difficult and you are about to have a meltdown, just have the meltdown. <laughs> it will feel much better to get it out of the system. Just make sure that like your kids are safe and just you know, cry, punch the pillow, text rambling gibberish to friends who can who are willing to listen. Mm-hmm. Just get it out of your system because you're alone. And it's, it's, it's better than throwing things in the house, which I have done, <laughs> I have to admit, or yelling at your kids, which I also have done. Um, I just found it better to make sure they're safe and then go and have my meltdown somewhere. And then that storm passes and then I'm like, okay, try again tomorrow. <laughs> wow, thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah, a lot of times I feel that that works. Even if it just gives you recovery for a few days, if you have another meltdown, I just want to normalize that the anger, the feeling overwhelmed is very uh, common for us modern new moms nowadays, just because things are different. Mm -hmm. Things are different in our generation. Wow. Thanks so much. And thanks for being vulnerable and and, and sharing that with our listeners. You're welcome. Yeah. And thank you for sharing in just in general, sharing with us how important postpartum care is as well. And mm. also about the struggles of you as a mom who is abroad, raising two kids, well, on your own at one point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, this is yeah. a message to all the partners. Um, look after your moms. <laughs> look after the new mom because it's, it's not easy for us to do self-care. And really, that's where um, the spouses step in or family and friends step in to give her Give her the kampung, really. Support. Uh, it's like watering a plant. You, you can't grow without... The plant can't grow without the water. So we, we need someone to water us as well. You know. Mm. So... Thank you so much for coming on the show and speaking to us. Thank yeah, you, guys. Thank you. Thank, thank you. thank you for doing this podcast. It was so interesting when I found it. I was like, it's just nice to know that a bunch of us are out here and just, I don't know, sharing experiences mm-hmm. and stuff. It's, yeah, nice yeah. love. Thank you for tuning in to the Malaysians Abroad podcast. Did today's episode spark something in you? Do you have a story to share? Come be our guest on a future episode. Connect with us on Instagram at Malaysians Abroad Podcast or email us at malaysiansabroadpodcast at gmail.com. See you soon!